Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's like a moment the light bulb switches on, I think, in your head when you've educated and you've kind of, as a woman in the world, like my age, like, you know, early 30s, you've had to educate yourself away from what you were always told, which is exactly what you were saying. Like, my body has to be different. My body has to be different. It's got to change. It's got to change. Change into what? Like a butterfly? Like, what was it supposed to look like? Hey, I'm Natalie Drenovac and welcome to The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. And in this episode, I got to sit down with Jessica Vandele. Jess is a witty, thoughtful and accomplished model who has cultivated a following around body positivity, empowering women to own their shit, not value negative opinions and to above all, just be you. If that's not an inspiring message, I'm not sure what is. I happened to first meet Jess when we were on a photo shoot together and I was instantly drawn to her amazing energy because I'm all about those good vibes and to be honest, I just knew I had to stay connected. I'm sure after listening to today's episode, you're going to feel the same way too. Join us as we dive into the many facets of Jess and what she's focused on accomplishing. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast, um, not just because, as I said, you're a beautiful, gorgeous, incredible model, which I think a lot of people know you for, but I believe that you're a woman who is really collectively pushing the voice of women forward and that everything you do, it's always with an edge of a message to, do you know mm. what I mean? Like, even though your Instagram post might be a bit quirky sometimes, it also comes with then like an empowering message for someone who is reading it. Mm. So before we jump into everything, I always like to start with a bit of a quirky rapid fire to okay. get some cheeky facts about you. Oh, I'm scared, but okay. So <laughs> what would be the one word your friends would use to describe you? Um, curious. And I think that's the word I would use to describe myself. Like, you know, makes me a yes person more than a no person. That's actually so true. Mm. You're not so like, no, you're like, let me check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's your favorite cocktail? Oh, I just drink gin. Like, yeah, gin and soda. I'm so boring and I'm actually unimpressed by a lot of alcohol. Like people are very disappointed because I can drink and have fun, but I'm just really boring. Yeah, yeah. just gin and soda with really nice cucumber and lime. I got told, um, always be able to get yourself home. Yes, yes, absolutely. And also just know your what doesn't work for you like you know because everyone's going through this like mezcal tequila phase right now yeah. and I figured out really <laughs> long time ago rock. that I can't have it and yeah. like it just makes me like so crazy like drunk in yeah. a second and I don't enjoy myself so you're like it's, like, it's probably better for yeah, next week I'm a gin girl what's the one book that's had the greatest impact on you 
Oh, oh gosh, there's a lot of books and it's really hard because I forget sometimes what book like changes me until I kind of pick it up again and I'm like, oh my God. But you know, um, at the moment I would say Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Okay. Is that the one that was adapted into a movie? Yes. And I'd seen the movie first and then I went and read the book and I don't know, like it just... It, what, like we were saying before, it's a, it's a book that I, sometimes when you re- want to read a book um, that you want to change your life, like you read a book and you've got the intention, you're like, oh, fuck, this is good. Like, you know, you're yeah. like, this is going to change my life. And the language in it is just not connecting with you. Yeah. And you're like, frick, man. Or like, everyone loves a book and then you're just like, that was so boring. I don't know what everyone got from it. Yeah, you're like personally just not connecting with it. Yeah. And um, anyway, and so I just feel like I got so many great, amazing, interesting messages from her book recently. And it was, I'd already seen the movie, like it wasn't, and I was, wasn't, I wasn't even picturing Reese, like, you know, or any part of the movie. It was just like, it was a good book. Yeah, I recommend. Uh, What's a career other than your own that you would wish to try? Oh, I don't know. I feel like, Like, I I wish deep in my heart I could be Beyonce. Like yeah. the sheer adrenaline of walking onto a stage yes. and having that performance. I absolutely think being a musician or some sort of creative yeah. with a like an audience would be incredible. Like I've, I, you know, I dabbled in acting when I was younger, and I always loved that element of like a stage performance and like connecting with people for sure. Like I think anything that gives you like a a rush of connection, I love. Yeah. But also, like I, someone asked me recently, if you were a man, what job do you think you would have done? And I was like, I don't know. But then I thought about it. I'm like, I think I'd just be a history teacher. What? I don't know why. I love history. And I think, I don't know. I think if I was just born in a man's body, my whole life would be very a different. history teacher. <laughs> I think I would just be like my nerdy self without this like pressure of being like a girl. Oh my God. That's going to be a question I ask all the women now. Yeah. If you were a man, what do you think you'd be? Um, and then lastly, who's a female role model for you and why? Um, I have so many. Um, top of mind. I mean, just cause we were talking about it before and cause I always talk about her because she's just like my auntie who I love. It would be Oprah. Obviously. Because she's great. You're like, you're going for Thanksgiving next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's going to be really embarrassing when I rock up and she's figured out how much I've weaved her into my life. <laughs> I am. Um, it's funny because I read an article about Oprah once and she was saying how so many people walk up to her and they're like, I just love you. You changed my life. And she's like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I completely. Because I feel like you wouldn't know how to respond to that as much as like, I'm glad. Yeah. I, I like, I kind of get um, that with famous people that I've met and like, you know, anyone that I've met, notoriety where someone's really passionate, like even like athletes and stuff. Um, because I think, I think, and I try and remember that too, when I meet a famous person or like, anyone it's really cool to be excited and you see people get so excited and that's awesome um but I've had friends of mine yeah who have you know notable people and someone's come up and done that to them and it's 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 there's no place to connect when you kind of do that to somebody and like it's just kind of like especially if you're looking for a connection like if you just come up and you're like can I have a selfie and an autograph it's like it's awkward yeah it's like okay but then if you're looking to that for them to be like I'm really glad I changed your (laughs) life like you know it's like it's really hard to just ask someone to get into that like you've been waiting for that moment forever as the fan but like and I've done it as a fan like you know when I was younger for sure and now that I'm a little bit like I'm like I hope that I would would 
give them space to see me as like a yeah. human. Well, that's, is it, that's it. So when I lived in New York, I remember like I was out to dinner and I happened to meet Jay-Z and Common and Zoe Saldana and all oh, these wow. people. At once? Yeah. Like it was this one night. It was just friends I happened to have. And it was like, a, oh my God. I don't want to sound like a pompous. Ugh. It was just one of those kind of it's okay. uh, evenings. You're like Beyonce's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember and he was like, hey, I'm Jay. And I was like, cool. Hi, blah, blah, blah. Having a normal chat. And then later on, a friend was like, you do know who that was. And I was like, I'm not a fucking moron. <laughs> I was like, but what did you want me to do? Like, yes. hi, oh my God, what's going on? Totally. I, you know, I think that you just, I'm like, not a singer, but no, exactly. And like trying to, I don't know, you just got to kind of just let them, I think the biggest gift you can give, you know, if you think that they've given you a gift, a famous person or like someone you look up to or someone you admire and love, maybe just give them the, I don't know, is, is it like a gift of giving them a bit of space in terms of like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, I, I've never seen it end well where they're, go off and be best friends when someone come when someone's come up and been like yeah i fucking love you this person was my greatest fangirl and now we're best friends yeah exactly um, i feel like we really? could just talk about this for ages yeah. so i'd love if you could actually give me a quick bio on yourself for everyone but mm. maybe not just how you're known but how you would like to be known yeah i mean i i i'm a i'm a writer and i am a model and i guess they're, they're my jobs um but i think like and i've sort of I think like if I deep down figure out what I want to be, it's like I like telling stories of other people and connecting with other people. So like I'm a storyteller, I I think. Yeah, and I like to um, hopefully in some way in my life I can manage to kind of connect people. I like to to make, you know, everyone have their connections and um, yeah. Are there particular stories that you like to tell more than others? um, I think it's – I always like – a story where I love telling women's stories. I do. I think it, I think just because, you know, it's, it's something that I've connected with in this age of being a woman um, and like being a writer and everything like that. uh, The way that women's stories have changed in the last 10 years in terms of the way we tell them is really interesting. And it's, it's sometimes really noticeable and sometimes it's quite subtle from the, from the, just the way you would describe maybe a woman who you're profiling or a woman who you, whom you've met and story you, you're charged with telling. Um, there's just little things that you would do that maybe um, that you would question why you would bring that up as opposed to why you would have brought it up 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, like if you look at the way sometimes like back in old magazines and things like that, the way women are written about, it's really interesting to understand. You're like, my God, like, it's even age and things like that. Like I wouldn't, I now don't even feel the need to mention a woman's age unless at times, unless I'm mentioning it for a reason or, you know, yeah, if you're profiling them, age is nice, but like it's not the whole story and it's not yeah. a way of framing her in a in a negative way. Sometimes yeah. I feel like it was used to frame women in negative ways and even the way they look and. Or like they're so, they're this age, but look how great they look. Yeah, yeah. Like it's cataclysmic. Yes. It's just like understanding like, yeah. So I think telling women's stories in this day and age is really interesting because it's like also as a storyteller, understanding your intention as to why you're saying yeah. these things and why you're introducing, you know, certain points, which way. And even talking about them like the mother of two or the mother of, Blubber. It's like, who cares? Like if she's a, you know, she's a person and that's really great if they're a mother, but it was always uh, often used as a frame of being like, she's a Madonna because she's a mother. But Categorizing them. Childless. She's like, you know, yeah. 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 It's interesting like that because one of the things that I want to figure out and going back to sharing women's stories with this podcast is 
our voices are getting louder, but are we being heard? Mm. Because I think it is such a unique, such a special time to be a woman. Uh, yet I keep on interviewing women and we now just face different adversities. But I think also our generation has a lot of extra privileges. Mm. And then maybe that also means more responsibility. Yeah. Oh, I think for sure. I think when you get extra privilege, you have more responsibility. Yeah. I think that's the, that's, you know, that's the kind of yin and yang that comes with privilege. It's like you get something, but you're going to have to give something. Yeah. Yeah. For those who do it right, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so you spent most of your upbringing in New Guinea and then you moved back to Australia and the Sutherland Shire. Now, mm. obviously, culturally, they are remarkably similar. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, you know. I was curious exactly to same. know how a bit <laughs> of that shaped you because mm. they are remarkably different for anyone who didn't hear the sarcasm in that yeah yeah I think um oh they're there's like you know they're polarizing in terms of like um just even everyday little things um so I think for me coming from one space being you know sort of like growing up and having my early childhood in New Guinea and then having my teenage years in Australia and being in the Shire it was um yeah like I just I don't even know how much it shaped me I think until like even maybe until I have my own kids will I really know like you know how kids think because you just think oh well this is your experience as a as a human being and like you know but I think yeah just just like from little things like I didn't like ice cream because it had to be refrigerated 10 million times before it got to me in in the mountains of Papua New Guinea. So I thought I hated ice cream. I thought ice cream was something disgusting and like yuck and then when I came to Australia I was like what the hell is this? This is convenience. What is this like amazing stuff that just, you know, we had fridges and things like that, but it was just like in terms of getting anything that was like, you know, so it was just little things of life of convenience was very different. Um, And so you have a different appreciation for something when you're growing up in a place like that, like chocolate that like has kept the same shape until it got to you. Like, you know, it wasn't just like melted in a package and like, you know, like it got to you and it looked like chocolate. Like, like it's still solid like the package. Yeah. Me. Yeah. But I think that's just like little things like they tasted just as good, like, you know, apart yeah. from the ice cream, but like everything, it, it's just like, I think I, I have very genuine um, appreciation of just like, of little things because I did grow up in New Guinea and like even when it comes to term like in terms of like who I am as a person and my blessings just like in terms of having a healthy body and like you know having a healthy family that's I'm really grateful for that and then if they're not healthy I have access to you know school and hospital and you know all these kinds of things. Did you find that to be something that was that is remarkably different between New Guinea and Australia in terms of uh, the way that we emphasize beauty Mm. and your body positivity yeah I think I think like in in any sort of indigenous culture or any sort of um uh culture where they really are still relying on their own understanding of body and Mm. um you know in New Guinea it's actually traditional garb for women to walk around without their tops on like you know it's really and it's not a sexual thing it's like not a my wife hates that at the beaches here that women have to wear tops most of the time she's like but the guys don't and I yeah. was like yeah but you know and she's like no like this is bullshit yeah. why should I have to wear a bikini top the the tan lines are horrendous yeah exactly I feel like it's definitely like a um uh uh we've just in the western world like is we're still over sexualizing everything to the point where you know even on Instagram you can't show your nipples yeah, like you know crazy. what I mean a female nipple but a male nipple is fine um but yeah like so I think in I still have that um 
sense of like your body growing up in New Guinea, like your body isn't a sexual, you know, a crazy sexual thing. It's just like your body, it's a gift. And, you know, it's something that you can adorn with, you know, shells and, you know, animal like feathers and all these kinds of things and make it really beautiful and like a piece of art, you know, and it's just like complements your, who you are. Like, I, I think actually like my growing up in New Guinea kind of gave me my connection to clothes and things that I wear every day and like and the way that you how express. I like to express myself yeah for sure so I really one of the things I wanted to speak to you about was your body positivity mm. and then at the same time going as I was kind of thinking about those questions going back to what you were sharing earlier around do I have to talk about it do I have to mention that about that woman but you are such a crusader for it but I actually wanted to know do you like being someone who has that voice or has it just kind of happened so now you believe you have a responsibility to continue to share that message for women? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I was talking to an activist, um, an Indigenous activist actually, um, a couple of weeks ago and she was sort of just telling me like how she feels she's in a position to have a voice. So she kind of feels obligated to have the voice and to share her messaging and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of, while I'm not indigenous, I'm not an indigenous Australian, I kind of related in terms of like, when you feel that moment where you feel obligated to share um, your views on something because you've been given the platform. Um, And so, yeah, like there are times where I'm just like, fucking hell like I don't want to I just want everyone to fucking get it yeah and I don't want to talk about it anymore like you know what I mean I'm like just get it just understand what I'm trying to tell you which is like everyone is beautiful and their bodies are their own and there is no need to you know have only one type of ideal and rally against everything else it's like you know, and that's poisonous and it's killing women and it's killing teenage girls, you know, who are like either starving themselves or, you know, or, you know, they feel so inadequate and men as well. But Do you think men perpetuate the idea of the female ideal or that women do it to each other? I think it's beyond now just sort of – I think um, it's beyond sort of blaming one gender for um, yeah. perpetuating the ideal because I think, you know, we've all had a role in this conversation for a long time and, and I'm speaking about the sexes. Um, and whilst, yes, early on, like in media and stuff, it was definitely, I mean, like you go back and you look at some of those ads yeah. back in the 60s and it's like, what the hell? Like, you know, it's crazy. But it was also how simple that women had to be. Yes. And it was like we were very one-dimensional in terms of the sense of us, like, you know, what she what she is. She's a homemaker and she's a mother. Have you seen it. Mona Lisa Smile? Yes. When you rewatch that now and then you're looking at the context and current social commentary and you're thinking – and, like, I remember literally a couple of weeks ago and being like, oh, my God, but this is actually what life was it like. It was, yeah. And that's an educated, like, but like an educated um, elite yeah. um, group of people. Like, you know what I mean? So you can just imagine what it would have been like, like, for the everyday person who wasn't, you know, an elite Ivy League kind of in, in that crowd. So it is. It's, it's totally nuts. Like – so I, I don't think, yeah, you can blame a gender at the moment, but I think we all have a responsibility at this time to like to propel the conversation. And I definitely feel privileged that I have a voice in that conversation um, to some degree. Like, you know, some people have louder and more powerful voices that I wish that they would use. But I am, yeah, like I, I feel I feel compelled to do it. So I, I, I will. Do you think... Uh- I know. So we we both share the same modeling agency mm-hmm. um, and Chelsea often speaks about how curve models have to work harder. Yeah. 
Do you feel that's true? Yeah, I read her book recently, um, which is a um, really, really powerful in terms of she says in the uh, one line in the book is um, curve girls have to work twice as hard. Yeah, and I think that has always yeah. I mean, like for sure, when I first started modeling you know, there just wasn't as many jobs and um, there were some girls working and, you know, they were definitely the very safe option of girls as well in terms of like they weren't going to threaten the status quo too much. They weren't too big. Like, you know, they weren't too curvy. They were very pretty and like usually white, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so, you know, and I mean there's exceptions to that, but they at least presented more white um so i think that in australia or around the world i think in in australia for sure um around the world i yeah i I would say that it's it was changing a bit faster than australia but still i think they would have had the same um issue with diversity in terms of like yeah you could be this size but then just don't go over it into any other box like you know what I mean like don't here's where we understand you let's not go too crazy yes exactly so I definitely feel um yeah the curvy girls have always had to work twice as hard and now we are getting some amazing opportunities and you know those girls who are doing an incredible job like um working the same as any other model but there's kind of like a few times you feel a little bit of a passive aggressive like dig on sets and things like that really oh yeah like sometimes you know you just don't fit into something and you'll have an old school kind of stylist who still hasn't got their head wrapped around the fact that like we're a model we're getting paid and should be treated the same as anyone else and they just you know throw their hands up and be like she's too big really like, you know yeah like because they they would rather you know not cut something or you know or rather not work hard enough to go and get a a sample that was you know the right size for you when you on your cards and in your book and the way you were booked by your agent yeah. says you were a size 16 and they you <laughs> the they fact have that everything along the way you were really honest yeah exactly you just didn't get the memo yeah and then they only have 12s and then they're blaming you and your body like standing there being like but in, i have to say most stylists are wonderful these days yeah but in situations like that how do you find handling that I mean, I used to be a lot more courteous in terms of like I would pretend I didn't hear certain things and like, you know, certainly – and I have to say most – like I said, most people are – have been quite lovely but there is still like the passive-aggressive dig like, you know, where you just understand that they they don't get it yet. Like, you know, they're just doing it because they're like, ugh, like – they're going to, you know, we're going to have to have a girl in here who I'm just not. And the thing is, it actually takes a little bit of um, a different kind of skill to dress different kinds of bodies. If you've only been in your career for 20, 30 years and you've been dressing only a certain type of body. Yeah. Well, yeah, you don't know how to dress yeah, anyone else's you, body. You fucking got no idea. Exactly. You didn't skill, you didn't skill up. So you're finding it hard. What's your opinion on uh, labels and size inclusivity? You mean like? How, like, not having labels? No, 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 as in certain, like, uh, so fashion labels, uh, I guess you could say each each designer is expressing themselves in their form of art, maybe mm. if we look at it like that. Um, and then do you believe that a fashion label should have all sizes? Or do you also, like you just said, certain bodies require different kinds of clothing that, you know, like, you don't have to, like, I, I would say, let's say, uh, I'll use Victoria Beckham, mm. because most of the time her, her models are quite slender. Mm. Do you think she should also have so 16, 18, 20, et cetera, or yeah. are you like, 
you know what? I get it. Some do, some don't. It's hard because, you know, I think there are people of the argument just being like, everyone should at least go to a 16 or everyone should at least go to an 18 and, you know, go from this size to that size. And then it becomes again, like, what about people left out of that spectrum? Like, you know, how do they then feel when everyone's like, okay, we're all on board with the just be between these sizes. I think that I would don't blame any designers if they're not um, equipped to be able to engineer clothing to fit, you know, actual human bodies yeah. um, instead of just something that like a very slender person will just slip on and, you know, it, yeah. it, it just fits them and, you know, without no, no requirement of darting or pleating or, you know what I mean, like actual um, – does that just Tailoring. piss you off? <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it just kind of – I feel like I understand that you can't make it you, – you can't often make something for every single size. Yeah. But I do think that it's just very interesting if you're going to stop where, you know, at a, at a 10. Like, you know what I mean? And you're yeah. really only going to cater for really super slim women and not even just like a middle of, middle of the ratio kind of like a bit more curvy. Um, I don't know. Like it's really hard and – I think though then when you're a major designer and you're actually, you know, you are a bigger brand, it's kind of inexcusable. Yeah, to, like you're, the message you're sending. Yeah. Under currently. Yeah, like, you know, like big big um, high street brands, like, you know, that's kind of inexcusable for them not to have a range of clothing to fit a range of different bodies. And you don't have to make everything that you make in no. the one, you know, you can make a – you can make – you know clothes that you think are small you know petites and then tall and then you know more curvy stuff like you know but I think you just prove how gifted you are as a designer if you can make clothes that look good on everyone and suit all different kinds of bodies I think that should be people's goal do you think a lot of the um labels companies brands that there truly is a change occurring or do you think that a lot of companies also like it's a bit of a buzzword trend Mm. to now be like oh you know no we're supporting everyone like I guess the question is do you believe the change is true or do you believe it's just a great way to kind of cash in on what people are really caring about at the moment I mean I'd love to say I think it is a legitimate change and everything like that I really and I do feel it it is it is a legitimate change in terms of like how a lot of brands are going to operate but do I think every brand is like motivated with um, good intentions of like not just cashing in on the, you know, trend that yeah. is in air quotes, but like, you know, it's, it's, I definitely, I think it will just be like time will tell who was actually genuine about meaning, about meaning to be size inclusive and understanding the message. Because like I said, you know, you can, you can be on sets where it's like a complete curvy you know, bunch of models and it's a curvy brand and still someone's just like, you can tell they're just like, oh, God, like, you know, her boobs are too big. Her ass is too big. Like, you know, you can just, you can feel it. But and you're too, like, why the hell are you fucking here? But that's the problem, right? <laughs> too big, too this, too that. For what? Like yeah. what is the fine line around it all? And like I only uh, ask that question in terms of, I mean, I've had my own I had years of my own uh, body struggles in terms of finding an understanding. And then what I actually got to was like, I was never chasing a size. Mm. I really was chasing an inner feeling of just peace, understanding, and just, I guess, compassion. And so for me, when I look at body positivity, it's not even about what size someone is. It's how do you feel in terms of, do you have the energy? Do you feel good, et cetera? Mm. Um, And so that's, I think, always so interesting when someone's like, you do this or do that. 
because going back to um, understanding different bodies are always going to be a little bit I can never – you can never have my body. I can never have your body, right? Mm-hmm. And my wife and I talk about this because she really made me just be so aware around genetically mm. some bodies are fucking different. Yeah, totally. And so if you're forever chasing this other, when do you ever just stop and think I'm enough? A hundred percent. Like it's actually – it's, like it's like a moment the light bulb switches on I think in your head yeah. when you've educated and you've kind of – as a woman in the world, like my age, like, you know, early 30s, you've had to educate yourself away from what you were always told, which is exactly what you were saying. Like, yeah. my body has to be different. My body has to be different. It's got to change. It's got to change. Change into what? Like a fucking butterfly? Like, yeah. what was it supposed to look like? You know what I mean? Like, it was always just supposed to look like you and how happy and healthy you felt yeah. in your own body. Like, that's it. So it's like, I can see when like I'm talking to someone and they're telling me like, oh, I like my body and all this stuff. But then I can kind of tell when they're just like, because I really get the message now. Like I get it. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm, I know when I feel uncomfortable in my body if I've not been treating it well, but I don't want it to be anything other than my body. Yeah, that's just from you not taking care of it in terms of whether it's however you're eating or moving mm. or just that those little things. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I'm not looking outside of myself to be like, okay, but then I want my body to be like J-Lo's body. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like you can look at other people's bodies and appreciate their bodies, but it's to get that kind of body dysmorphia where you're like, I want that person's body. It's like you yeah. will never fucking have. You can get, you know, traits and attributes like that person's body. Yeah, you can do certain things, but like you should just get to the point in your mind where you're like, I'm going to have the healthiest body I can have, yeah. like, you know, that I can manage and I'm not going to go and eat like someone else and – exercise exactly the way they exercise to have what they have because I what am am I chasing yeah I'm my own unique blueprint like you know what I mean it's like why go against the design that you have no business in trying to fuck up and like you know change who knows why you were given it the way you were given it like just take care of it it's funny in terms it's not funny actually um but having dated women it's so interesting to be in a relationship with a woman and uh, when you – I feel like you have the conversation more frequently than mm. maybe if, if it was a male partner um, around bodies and little things like that. And so like even now, Lisa and I have gotten to this point where she might say something and I'll be like, oh, I'm not participating in this conversation. Just because we're like, why perpetuate that? Like why yeah. would we talk about things like that? Um, and I mean there's always a time each month where I'm like, oh, I think I've put on four kilos. And she's like, no, you're just about to get your period, darling. Yeah. Like, you know, our bodies also as women change a lot more frequently so much yeah but yet we beat ourselves down yeah yeah it is it's just like it's it's totally trying to get yourself to a point where you mentally understand like that you were poisoned from a well of like you know dissatisfaction and people putting shit on you like you know for trying to make you buy things and change the way that you are and like you are simply you are just have to be the best version of you. Mm. Like it's just that easy. Like, and whatever that is, is perfectly good enough. I used to, uh, when I was, I guess, going through my own personal struggles and I, when I was like, oh, I'm fat and blah, blah, blah. I had this moment where I had to realize what my self-worth was outside of my weight. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the thing that changed for me. I yeah. think I started to look and go, okay, well, if this doesn't matter, 
then what other things do I think are valuable? And then my values started to really develop inherently. And even now, I certainly don't follow people on Instagram that I used to follow because now I want to follow women who are doing incredible things as opposed to just like, wow, she has great abs and a good ass. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Do, do you think that also is inherently it? Like the more you've crafted your voice, yeah, the more you're less concerned with like, oh no, do I feel a bit puffy today? Yeah, I literally have said like on multiple occasions and I, I, I you know, it just, I have said to people like on days or months where I felt like oh, I haven't really been treating myself well, I kind of instead of just like being like, oh, my God, I'm so fat. Yeah. Like I'm a whale and I need to fix myself. Like, you know what I mean? I just literally just like and you just kind of come like you said before, women's bodies yo-yo and they change. Yeah. And I just come across it. I try and be as casual as I can about like you know, weight and stuff because I don't make it into a huge thing. Yeah. But there are times where, yeah, I put on weight and I'll just be like, yeah, I put on a little bit of weight, but I have a good personality. Yeah. I'm funny. <laughs> like, you know, I just like, I try and follow it back. Like if I'm going to make a comment on my weight, yeah. I almost immediately like have kind of trained myself to say like three different things that have nothing to do with my weight. Yeah. Like, you know what I, I mean? Yeah. So it's like, tell me three things you're grateful for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just like, I, it'll come out of my mouth because it, I'll just be like, I've just said it because I feel like I feel it. But then I've, I have like, I'm grateful that I've kind of cultivated this thing. And I'm like, but quickly say something else that has nothing to do with your mm. weight. Like, you know what I mean? Say, you, have, you know, I'm funny. And, you know, I, you know, I've saved a whole ton of money. So I'm going to go on holiday. Like, you know, like you just like to say something else that's positive that has nothing to do with your weight. Yeah. You know, it, or it, your size or physically. What I think is so interesting is the fact that like, this is such a needed conversation because weight is something and body image is something women struggle with. And mm. at the same time, like you said earlier, why don't you just fucking get it? Mm. Because I also know like if I ever have male friends and I compliment them, they certainly never reply with like, oh, I'm actually just feeling a bit like puffy. I feel a bit fat. Like yeah. guys don't do it. Then they're like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Whereas women are like, oh no, but this is wrong with me. Mm. And I never understand when you got to learn to, you got to learn to take in a compliment. Absolutely, I, I agree. Not just with deflect that. them. Yeah, and and I don't actually. Interestingly, like I do understand when women do that. Like I see when they do that all the time. Yeah. But also, we as women, I think, have to allow other women to accept the compliment, because like you remember that scene in Mean Girls, and like the um caddy like doesn't say anything nasty about herself after all the other girls say something nasty oh, about yeah. themselves, and she doesn't really say anything nasty, and then they go, um, they go, well. Like, aren't you going to say anything about yourself? And I think that we as women have to be better at letting other women take the compliment without putting themselves down straight away. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's just not – and not having that thought that comes in our head like, oh. Like if you say, hey, you look really beautiful today and then if the woman comes back and she says, thank you so much, I yeah. feel really great, you know, instead of going like, you, you were so fucking up yourself. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean, like we have to oh, get better. Oh, people need to learn to take the compliment. Yeah. I completely agree. I think I read it in probably like a Louise Hay book. Yeah. And she was like, if someone says something wonderful to you, say thank you. Yeah. Don't feel a necessity to re respond to them and give them something back. Just take it in and absorb it. And then maybe later on, give them a compliment because everyone yeah. does that. Like you look great. Oh, so do you. Yeah. Like, it was, it was a bullshit compliment. Like no. you're just throwing things around because you feel like you are obligated to. But that's just kind of a, um, that's just kind of a way that women are, we need to get better in, in the way that we relate to each other then and yeah. allow when you're giving a compliment to someone, allow them to understand I'm giving you that because I genuinely mean it and you don't have to say anything back to me. And like, it's just like allowing, allowing women's women to be confident. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like allowing the women around you to be confident and not be 
because she's only saying that straight back. So she, you don't think anything bad about her. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So you need to kind of make sure that you've created a circle where she feels comfortable just to say thank you and yeah. move on yeah. and not give you anything back, you know, because you might not be looking that yeah. great that day. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, there's a great uh, thing I read about monks, how they don't have mirrors and they don't – because the idea is like if you shut your eyes – and you connect to yourself, how do you feel about yourself? Mm. And I feel like it's another little trick to add to the repertoire outside of just thinking three great things. Yeah. I mean, there's all these, I love it when someone like I read something somewhere and I'm like, oh, that is so good. I actually tried to avoid a mirror for a whole day once. It was so hard. Really? Yeah, because I do. I look at myself all the time. <laughs> I'll admit it. Like I You're really like, my do. My brows are on point today. Yeah, I fucking look at myself. Yeah. Like I but really But that's do. another thing. A lot of women walk by a mirror and they'll criticize themselves. And um, I mean, Louise Hay is coming up today a lot. I remember <laughs> Louise Hay, I used to, it was this one book, just it really did change my life at that point. And um, she used to say, you can look in the mirror and say, um, I'm perfect the way I am, but I'm allowed to make changes. As Absolutely. opposed to looking at yourself, giving some criticism, etc. I think that's like something interesting for like the plus size model community as well, which a lot of models feel the pressure to stay the same size, even if they have, you know, started to feel uncomfortable yeah. in their size. And it's just like everyone is allowed to change and you yeah. should have that allowance. Everyone is allowed a healthy change. Yeah. I think whatever. Ashley Graham put up a post around if I'm exercising people message her and they're like why would you go skinny because that's what's making you money and yeah trolls are just fucked up yeah I've had people like on my Instagram being like have you lost weight you look smaller like and seriously like they're like I, th- I thought you understood that you were beautiful and I'm like I am my fucking self yeah I will do what I want like, like I went to Bali I yeah. got Bali belly <laughs> exactly. I'm like I haven't eaten in like I've kept anything down in weeks like you know like I'm sick no but it's just like I just think that's just another level of like we haven't yet developed the language where we're comfortable with just allowing other people to be themselves and be in their own bodies and put on weight and lose weight and, you know, enjoy who they're, you know, the way they're presenting themselves. We're still stuck in, we need to, that's where the progression needs to go is to develop like a language and attitude where you just don't give a fuck about, like it doesn't personally offend you the way someone else is presenting themselves to you. Someone is always not going to like you and someone Mm. else is going to love you. Yeah. Um, The great weight debate. Uh, So I really wanted to move on to Project Womankind. Yes. I loved it when it first started when you did the the black and white campaign with all of the other models. Mm. Um, And then now it's evolved into like a greater, bigger message. And what was that for you? I just think like it started out of something when I – wasn't seeing you know size representation a lot in Australia and I think that we were on the precipice of you know changing um the size conversation in so many other countries and I felt like Australia was still lagging a little bit in terms of bringing it into the mainstream and so I just made it I just like you know got a whole group of girls together and we just had a really raw and honest conversation about size and about um weight and um how you know messages from media and everything has affected the way that we've sort of grown up. And Mm. some girls were really honest and incredible in the stories that they shared, like so raw, so touching. I mean, Olivia Langdon like had this moment with me and I was like bawling when I was editing it because I was just like far out. Like she was just ready to tell her story. And it was like, she'd never been allowed to kind of have a platform before to just blurt it out and be like, this is how, you know, the media fucked me up. Like, you know, with my weight Do you mind story. sharing that for those who haven't watched? The- well, she just, she was just like, you know, talking about being a young girl and being really, really bullied by everything 
going on in the world, like, you know, from her smaller circles to her biggest circles to, you know, the world kind of looking at girls who are curvy and stuff, um, you know, judging them and like we're saying, like, you know, making them feel this need to change. Um, and yeah, and then she just, she just had this amazing kind of moment where I could tell she was like fighting back tears and it's a really special moment to watch. And I just, I, I sort of started that with the, with the size conversation in mind, cause I felt like it was really raw at that time. And then it sort of moved on to just telling stories of women's um, journeys, you know, yeah. throughout, you know, all different kinds of women. And I ended up making a second series, which was all about scars. And that allowed me to talk about, because I was, I was sort of noticing like, you know, through my own scars and like you just marks on my body. Anytime I sort of tell anyone about something like, oh, how'd you get that? How'd you get that? They share then straight away. It's like mm. once you open up yourself, the vulnerability, you know, someone all of a sudden goes, I have one like that too. Or my uncle yeah. has one. And it's like, it's like hurt is sometimes such a um, – and vulnerability is such a space for sharing and connecting. And through that story, we managed to talk about everything from, you know, girls with, um, you know, uh, heart conditions. And, you know, Beck had – Beck, one of the girls in the series, lost her uh, her heart to um, pneumonia. She had pneumonia and then had a, a virus and she ended up losing her heart and had to have a heart transplant. And that was just like a crazy story about talking about being grateful for your body and then um, – Another Felicity, she shared a story about, you know, being a victim of, um, she was, she had breast cancer, but she also had a history of domestic violence and that kind of like, um, imprompted her to, um, change the way she saw everything in life, you know, Mm -hmm. her scar, her, you know, from her breast, um, treatment just changed everything about the way she, you know, projected and perceived her whole experience of life. And so she just changed everything. Yeah. So, yeah, it was incredible. They're absolutely beautiful and everyone should go and watch them. Yeah. Um, I also loved how you share stories, you know, like uh, there's one about sex and herpes yeah. and then there's one about abortion. And the thing I love about them is that it's not written in a perfectly – not like sorry it's great it's greatly written but it's not written in this usual editorial way no and I love it because it's raw and it's almost like you can pick a girlfriend in your head like you're having that chat with her yeah like uh, well all those stories come from women I know like you know like or women who have developed a relationship with me from the the series um seeing the first series or you know following me on Instagram and they send they've sent me a story and some of them also I'm 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 still I've got some other projects that are coming up and like they they just take a long time to make um but um yeah I, I was I was sort of saying to someone the other day that the story about the girl who got, you know, she got an STI and, you know, that's just like the freak out of every woman in their, you know, teens, twenties, you know, thirties. That's just like a single woman freak out. You're just like, what the hell? Like, you know, um, and she writes it in this really funny. And then when she gave it to me, I was just like, this is the funniest thing I've ever read. Like the way she was describing things, I was like, oh my God, like this is just, it's how can you make this story funny? Because it's just like the terror of like every other person when you go and get like an STI check, you're sitting there kind of like, oh my God, like, I think I'm clean, but I really hope you let me know. Tell me negative everything. And then, yeah. And then the girl getting an abortion, she was really brave and special. It really prompted me to remember a story that a friend of mine had shared. Um, She had slept with this. This is not me, just for anyone who's thinking I'm talking in second language. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Asking for a friend. I know people do think that about me on mine. And I'm like, no, like, 
Thank you, but um, no. But a friend had, so uh, she'd slept with this girl and then this girl had called her to let her know that she had gotten chlamydia. Mm. And my friend was like, I'm really sorry that's happened to you. Is there anything I can do, etc." And the girl said to her, thank you so much because she had also called guys and let them know and they, all of them just immediately slut shamed her uh. and were having a go at her and all of these horrible things. And it's also like in moments like that, it's also the, the response yeah. is going to really affect how someone feels about themselves. Even yeah. like, so if you go from that and then you, the uh, abortion article where the girl's like, oh, I should get an abortion. And then the guy is like really, really nice. And then it just gets really edgy and brutal. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, we all have to have a bit more empathy for each other. Yeah. I think, I just think it goes to show like, the education element of like people around these really um, kind of sensitive topics. Like, you know, when, especially anything that comes to sex, we're still so shady to each other. I love talking about sex. Yeah. (laughs) And like, it's a common joke with my friends because they're like, you always bring it up. And I was like, but why don't people talk about it more when it's something that I would say most people like love and enjoy and want to explore? Yeah. Well, and even like I can notice from my, you know, days, I don't think I've ever been a super judgy person, but like I can tell like my reactions to some things probably weren't perfect. Like back in the day, like they weren't, they were sort of more like, you know, I can still tell though when someone in, you know, my friends or whatever, like, I've got some people around me who are so open and they would just share something quite personal. And I think that's great. I'm just like, you know, not everyone has to do that, but your reaction to it shouldn't be like, sometimes I think when it comes to sex, like people react because they're worried in that moment, they're going to be judged on their reaction. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like if someone tells you like, Hey, I have, you know, I have chlamydia and your immediate reaction isn't like, like what the fuck have you been doing? Like then everyone's going to think like what you're like a dirty person who like thinks it's just okay to like get, you know, something. Or if someone says I, you know, I had an abortion, everyone's just, if they are not like, should, you should be more careful, like, you know, with sex and all this kind of stuff. And don't you understand how, you know, it just, it's, it's treating them like they're a, you know, a uneducated, you know, like slut basically who like doesn't care about you know, putting their body at risk. Yeah. I always have found it so interesting, the contradiction between how a woman is treated when they share sex stories, but how a man is treated. And for me, I just think it's so fucked up. Yeah. Because it's just an expression. And like I was talking about it with my producer earlier, it's why is it sometimes that women can have heaps of sex and all of a sudden they're a slut, but if a guy does it, it's like bravo, high five. Yeah. I, 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 do you know what? And do you know what? I, I think it's so strange because I'm just not part of that community anymore of like people in, in my in my life who have oh. those reactions to oh, right. sex and stuff. And I really think that is because I've like cultivated that around me. So if I'm around someone who has like a really – I'm kind of aggressive about being like, what the fuck is your problem? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, like don't slut shame them or don't do – like, you know, because I'm just like – it's so – when you're aware of like how someone's reaction can like – shame someone else or like upset someone else or like make them question their choices it that has nothing really to do with you it's like what the fuck is your problem have you noticed in general as you've gotten older and developed a stronger voice you're just more you're just less tolerant i should say to any indecency you see around you you know i try i would i would hope that i'm not a righteous person (laughs) 
Because I have a lot of growing to do too. Okay. And, you know, I get I get told off for saying things that, you know, people come at me and they're like, you know, because I, I run my mouth a lot. Like, you know, like I do just sometimes let things fly out of my mouth and, you know. But is it always what you believe or do you more like, you know, in three days you might think something differently? I appreciate being told when I need to change my attitude or like, you know, okay. or um, it, it might not come off like I'm appreciative at first, but like I'll definitely go away and have a think about it. Um, so I try to be tolerant of someone's perceived ignorance, but then I try and question my own standpoint and I'm like, well, why, why do I think that they're being ignorant? You know, like, am I okay in this situation? Obviously there's some situations where it's very obvious and you're just like, you know, if it's like racism or homophobia or whatever, you're just like, you know, you kind of know where you, you're like, you it's stand. 2019. Yeah, you're, you're like, like, you're like, like uh-huh. yeah, exactly. You're like, you got to sort it out. Like, but I, I definitely, yeah, I was at a football game like last year and this guy was screaming out like really homophobic things to the referee and there were people around and I'm not saying I'm a hero, but like, I was really shocked at how many people didn't really say anything initially. Yeah. And I just thought at first I didn't hear him right. The second time I'm like, I heard him right. And I no, just, you knew you heard I, him I, right I the first like, time. What? Well, he said it so quickly. I was like, what? Yeah. And then he said it again. And I was just like, are you fucking serious, mate? And like, I was standing with some people and they were just like, I was just, yeah, I definitely am like, I don't, I think it's just like a gift of being like in your thirties and like, you just get a little less like, you're like, I don't care if I look like a bitch, you know? But see, that's the thing. Why are you a bitch? Exactly. I don't know why, but you just. That's the perceived, you know, it's not even just about calling out people like that. It's like even just, you know, it's really hard to call out sometimes like your family or your friends or whatever, but, you know. Yeah, it's actually interesting. So I remember growing up, I used to think my uncles were really funny. And then as I got a bit older, I started to actually hear the jokes they would make about women and I was like, and I stopped laughing. Mm. And then I remember it was like, oh, do you not think it's funny? And I was like, no, actually I don't. Yeah. Because I started to actually be like me laughing exacerbates the idea for you that Mm. you think this is okay yeah and I was just like no that's really fuck like I don't want to hear that exactly and it doesn't really have to be an argument at times when you're telling someone about something like this you know there have been times where I will just you know get cross or you know cranky straight away but I try and remember that like it should just be all of us against the problem like you know what I mean and not just you know me and this person fighting it's like no it should be me against the problem and they're not understanding the problem so I need to make them understand the problem and you know you don't always have time for that but like you try and like instead of just like clapping back so hard and fast I try and be like but yeah I I I'll, I can't help it I'm just like a sassy person but I think it's great and I think the more like you were saying earlier the moment one person does it everyone starts to realize that a collective voice matters. Mm. And it's like when uh, one of your articles is about stop teaching us to be good girls. Yeah. Which is, I think, for women, the problem, or one of the problems, I should say, in terms of, oh, I want to do this, but I will be perceived like this. And it's like, why? Like, you don't need to be in a box, you know? You know? Yeah. No, that, that, that article particularly, yeah, is about like sexual harassment and sexual assault and just like the times where I, you know, there was an incident where I, you know, something happened to me and I didn't really do what, and that happened in my, you know, years ago and I think now if I had have had happened but only because that has happened to me before so many times like now and especially living in New York and like you know where I feel like catcalling is like you know it's a real problem yeah um oh I just lose it like real quick like you know and I and not all the time but like sometimes I'm just like you know what 
what you just did to me is like, and what I'm about to just unleash on you is the result <laughs> of like a yes. hundred people doing this to me this week. Like, you know, so yeah. I'm just like done with you yeah. and all of your kind. And I'm just going to really, and you know, actually what I've noticed, especially when it comes to, you know, people calling out like assault and sexual assault in the, in the past couple of years, just like uh, in public um, on like a train station, or you hear a woman just being like, you know, calling something out you realize like I felt like now more so than ever I've had a lot more allies in that situation just from like other people looking at me like are you okay instead of like you're a crazy woman yelling on a train stop like you know what I mean or like in a park or whatever like you just you realize like the attitude may be changing because people are more so looking in to help you rather than thinking oh my god she's like yeah. Crazy. Um, uh, Lisa always calls it the bystander effect. It's like if someone's, mm. uh, f- let's say, having a heart attack, you have to actually point to one person and you're like, you help me as opposed to like otherwise people just kind of look around or if you see anyone getting into a confrontation, people just kind of walk by and they're like, oh, well, I don't know if I want to put myself in that danger or – yeah. but like it all has one kind of through line around what to do and what not to do and actually if you see someone in fucking danger or just being Distress. abused in any way, yeah, stand up for them. Yeah, just like, you know, and it's just, it is, it's just like a moment of, you know, I'm sure I'm not always perfect with this kind of stuff, but I try and now like really, you know, there was, I went to, I was at a club on the weekend and like, I haven't been to a club in so long. And this was what made me sort of realize my attitude has changed. This girl was like bawling her eyes out in the bathroom. And to be honest, like back in the day, I probably would have been like, ah, she's drunk. Like, just keep walking. Like, you know, not your problem. You're having a great night. But I was sort of just like, are you okay? Because I really thought something bad might have happened to her and she wasn't with any of her friends and this is a really unsafe situation and this is not okay. Like, you know, and she was fine. Like, you know, she was, um, I figured that out in the end and she had some friends. But like, it's just like little things. Like I feel, I don't know, it's just maybe an age thing. where you're Just just, giving a shit. Yeah, you're just kind of like, this is not a safe situation for a woman to be in and I'm not going to dismiss her emotions um, because I, you know, it's easier for me to just brush her off as drunk or crazy or whatever. It's like, she's having a problem. Yeah. You should just like, look out for your sisters. I think so many women will listen to this conversation and they will hear themselves or they will hear their girlfriends. And I think that that's the whole purpose. Like the more we start to say, Hey, this has happened to me too. Or, Hey, this is how I feel. The more mm. the message can keep being reiterated. So women stop judging themselves and actually seek to see and find someone else and their empathy within that. Um, Before I ask you my final question, where can everyone find you? Oh, you can find me on the internet. (laughs) You can find me on um, Instagram at Jessica Vandalay, or you can find me at projectwomankind.com or you can follow Project Womankind on Instagram or uh, you can find me at the moment writing for women. Um, which is um, I'm the news editor. <laughs> and everyone is now going to be like, click, click, click. Yeah. <laughs> so my final question is you're standing in front of 10,000 women and mm-hmm. you can offer one piece of advice. What would you say? Oh, if it was 10,000 women, I think I would say I'm really nervous right now and that's okay because everyone is sometimes nervous and scared of like, taking their opportunities but I would just say you just got to be brave you know do the best you can and I'd hope that that message would get across to them (laughs) and I think though I always have to remind myself before I get an opportunity to speak in front of people or speak to people or whatever or even to speak vulnerably to one person in private it's sometimes challenging but like you just have to um trust that 
you know, just trust yourself. Have a go. Have been Aussie. Have a go. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Jess. I have loved every piece of insightful wisdom you've shared. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Modern Women. You can listen to all of our episodes over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. If you're not already subscribed, please do click that subscribe button now so you don't miss any episodes that come out each week. If you enjoyed this podcast or you took something away from it, taking two minutes to leave a five-star review or post a story review on Instagram and tag me in it so that we can continue to share these incredible stories with more women who need to hear this message. Original music by Chunky Love and produced by Podpaste. 